Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to Exploring the Lord of the Rings. Uh, this is session number 224 today. Very exciting. Um, I'm uh, glad to be back with you guys. Sorry I had to uh, miss last week, kind of at the last minute. I had a family conflict that arose and had to do that. But, you know, as we're all in this for the long haul, I hope that uh, you guys can bear with me when things like that happen. Um, but uh, uh, speaking of which... We're going to have some conversation on the, on the subject of the long haul. Um, we're going to talk about the long haul. I uh, got to see uh, uh, several of you at uh, Moots the last this past month. Um, got to see uh, a bunch of you at Tex Moot and then a few also at Sunshine Moot in Florida after that. And um, we... Um, I got to talk to Evil Dr. Cannon, who gave me an updated list <laughs> of the projections uh, based on our performance to this point uh, when we are scheduled to get to certain places um, in the book. So I'm going to um, I'm going to uh, share his research there um, and show you show you where this is uh, where this is headed. I think you'll. <laughs> I, th I think you'll all be pleased. <laughs> but first, um, uh, first, I did want to uh, make an announcement, and that is I, wanna, I wanted to make sure you guys knew what was going on in our space program, because our space program has just been... Um, uh, has just been taking off, and I think that that's uh, it's been it's been really fun. So I wanted to share this with you. And instead of um, uh, instead of uh, taking you straight to our uh, space uh, homepage at signumuniversity.org slash space, I wanted to show you something else. The first thing I wanted to show you is uh, the homepage of Eldarion.com. Eldarion is the awesome company uh, that has built our, um, our new uh, registration system. It's been so cool. And look, I can prove it. You go to their education tab and there we are partnering with this unique online university on the building of their digital campus infrastructure. Yeah, there's us, you know, uh, tucked in right between Harvard and Mass General. Um, but uh, yeah, no, the Eldarion has been awesome. And so check out what they built. This is BlackBerry. Uh, so BlackBerry is our registration system for space. Uh, if you go to, and it's there. So like if you go to our space webpage here and you scroll down, here's BlackBerry and you can sign up. There's a sign up link right there. Um, so you sign up for your BlackBerry account and it's really simple. And it brings you to, so here's my homepage. And it tells you how many tokens you have like in your bank so you can always keep uh, keep track of how many tokens you have and there's a link you can now buy more tokens straight here through uh, in within BlackBerry um, and that's really cool um, uh, yeah no BlackBerry is not Goldberry's evil sister BlackBerry is named after the rabbit as it is true that we had Goldberry first uh, Goldberry was the system that was built for our um, our MA courses so we have our, our, our four credit courses uh, which run out of Goldberry who is our elegant hostess 
for our uh, our credit bearing courses. Um, and then we were kind of joking about having some other kind of berry. And I was like, Blackberry. And then I was thinking, of course, of Blackberry the rabbit. Um, uh, from Watership Down, who is uh, the clever rabbit who can solve all kinds of problems, and Blackberry has been hard at work uh, uh, handling our very complicated, <laughs> well, complicated on the back end, it's easy for you guys, um, uh, registration system here in space. Um, so anyway, um, uh, so you can keep track of how many space tokens you have, you can check out the uh, upcoming candidate modules, enroll in confirmed modules, I'll show you some of that, but I wanted to draw your particular attention to this green box up here, because we have a new special that we're running uh, in space, uh, it's a promotion just for April, and that is, uh, if you are in space already, if you've, if you've already purchased tokens for space, you've been taking some space classes, you can send a referral link uh, to a friend. And if they sign up for a space module, then they get a free token and you get a free token too. So like both people get free tokens. So it's like three tokens for the price of one, basically that you share among yourselves. Um, and you can get this multiple times. So if you have taken space courses and you refer like five friends and they sign up for space and get to take space, uh, modules with you, which is awesome. Then you get five free space tokens, which is cool. Um, and if you're not in space yet and you want in on this action, just find somebody among your friends who is, uh, and, uh, you know, ask somebody who works for Signum and we'll, uh, set you up. So, um, anyway, it's, uh, it's so cool. So check out what's coming up. So here's, uh, the modules that we're offering in May. So I can just click on the May modules here and it shows you which ones have been confirmed. The way that this works is of course, we, we, we put out a whole bunch of modules, like things that can tell us, oh yeah, I definitely want to take that one. And then we run the ones that people want to take so that we give people a wider variety to choose from. Um, but then we are, you know, are able to do all the things that people, you know, that people want to do. So, uh, and if ones which are not successful, you know, which, which we don't run, you know, when we offer them, well, you know, we usually, you know, offer them again later. We've, we've, we've put them out there for the first time because people said they were interested in that. It, you know, didn't work out that month, whatever, you know, schedules and stuff, it happens. So we will offer it again later on. It's pretty fun. Um, so anyway, um, we, uh, so you can go through and you can see all the cool modules that we're offering in May. We've confirmed 14 modules for May. We're running 14 modules. So we've got our advanced Old English and Old Norse, biological biological concepts in fantasy and science fiction. So we have a, we have a biology professor who's teaching a course on fantasy and science fiction uh, and how biology is uh, uh, is used and abused uh, in fantasy and science fiction. Really cool module. Uh, our creative writing stuff, which is awesome. We've got several um, language courses which are running longer term sequences. So ones with numbers like this, we, uh, we're, we've got a cohort of folks who are learning Egyptian hieroglyphics, which is uh, really, really cool. Um, and so they're, they're, in their they're in their third month here. We'll run that again later on. Klingon is happening. So if you wanna, if you wanna sign up to learn Klingon, if you've been telling yourself you've always wanted to learn Klingon, well, here you go. We've got our, our, our anime uh, module there on Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. Um, We've got, uh, you can, we're starting a new cohort for learning Latin. We have a super enthusiastic Latin cohort, which is on their fifth month now. Um, and we're starting another cohort here uh, in May. Um, lots of folks want to learn Latin. And I have to say that, oh, uh, Drow Snake, we're totally going to get around to doing Shakespeare in the original. Uh, in fact, I think the Klingon series might even... Um, uh, uh, might even uh, 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 end uh, end up 
working on some translation work. Uh, you, you can get involved in helping out with some translation work. I mean, of course, translating, uh, helping to translate more, uh, you know, Shakespeare from the original. So, um, yeah, yeah, really, really cool stuff. Natural or synthetic, that's a, a language module, right? So uh, uh, looking at uh, how you, uh, about invented languages, right? And how you, when you're doing language invention, um, you know, you can make your, your, your language, uh, you know, the languages that you invent more, uh, more, uh, more convincing. Uh, really cool stuff. Uh, Tolkien and magic. Tolkien's invented languages in the Lord of the Rings. So again, if you would like an introduction to reading Elvish, right? You know, you've, again, it's one of those things you've been reading Tolkien for a long time and you're like, but I don't, I can't actually do Elvish. And I'm afraid to admit that to my friend. You know, I'm embarrassed to admit that, admit that to my friends. Well, here you go. Um, so uh, uh, anyway, uh, so that's... Um, that's uh, that's how. So, Evil Doctor Cannon wants to know: Is uh, James and Elise's Tengwar class happening? Well, see, uh, Matt, that one is scheduled for June. So, if we go ahead to June, we can see. I think it's at the bottom of the list. At the bottom of the list, there it is. Tolkien's writing systems. So that's where you can start learning Tengwar and such. Um, so that's still a candidate module. If you want to make sure that that happens, there's still time, right? So you've got through the end of, uh, what, what it was, it's now April. That's what it is. Um, so you've got through the end of April, um, you buy a few tokens and then you go, you come into Blackberry and you, you vote for it basically. And you're like, I totally want to take that, uh, module and then we'll run it, right? The more people we get, the more likely we are able to be able to run it. So these are things that are coming in June. So cool module until we have faces. Oh my goodness. Best thing C.S. Lewis ever wrote. Amazing book. Um, a module on Sir Gowan and the Green Knight to read, uh, to look at the original poem in Middle English, translations of it, like Tolkien's translation of it, and then the film adaptation as well. Really fun module on Sir Gowan and the Green Knight. We're starting a new, co in June, we're starting a new cohort uh, for our introduction to Old English. You know, again, you've always wanted a word old, old English. You know that Tolkien loved that, so here you go. You'll notice we do a lot of languages here in space. And it's that's been uh, it's actually been one of the things that people have um, uh, sort of raved most about about space so far is that, you know, lots of times and I'm sure many of you have had this experience where you, you know, you want to learn a language, you kind of sit down to learn a language, but it's kind of, you know, you, you kind of are looking, uh, you know, like you get a textbook or you're watching a, you know, doing Duolingo or watching a, uh, you know, YouTube series or something like that. And it's just, you know, eventually you stop. Right. Um, being able to learn a language in a classroom environment with, you know, uh, the accountability and support of a, you know, a group of peers and a dedicated teacher. It's really a, um, uh, a, a total game changer uh, in that way. So, yeah, Japanese fairy tales, uh, the other dragons module um, so that you don't end up like uh, Eustace Clarence Scrub uh, week on dragons. The next Full Metal, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood uh, uh, module, we've got uh, our first ever Terry Pratchett module for Terry Pratchett fans. Which which is which uh, module? This is pretty, which is pretty cool. Starting uh, Scottish Gaelic. If you've ever wanted to learn Gaelic, so you can start learning Gaelic. You can start learning Greek. Lots of new languages going on here in June. So, um, pretty awesome. Um, uh, Gil Dolowin says, besides, they don't offer Old English and Old Norse on Duolingo. 
really? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Sorry, to me, from a Signum University perspective, that just seems so strange. Like, why would people not study Old English and Old Norse? Like, people study other things? I, I mean, like, and if so, why? Um, but, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's pretty fun. So anyhow, uh, there we go. That's what's coming up in June. So this is Blackberry. Blackberry is a lot of fun. You can, you know, you, you click right on it and be like, Hey, I want to learn Greek. This is one of the ones I'm most tempted by, uh, this one, this one in Klingon. Um, now you'll notice the days and times aren't scheduled that that's cause it's not confirmed, right? When people vote for it, then what we do is we talk to the people who voted for it and we determine a schedule based on the precept, you know, the teacher's availability, the preceptor's availability and the students and say like, okay, you know, let's, let's settle on a time. So we don't just like tell you a time and then you can't do it. We work with you on what time is available for you. And then, then we say, okay, it's definitely this time. And then everybody else who wants to take it has to take it at the time that's convenient for you because you voted in advance that's kind of the way it works um anyway so here's the whole page on this and we can see um what's uh you can see what's going on all that kind of thing anyway uh pretty cool stuff that's blackberry um just want to encourage you to check it out and don't forget about the hitchhiker special if you when you refer a friend you get uh, another token it is so much fun to take space with friends we've had a whole bunch of people who uh buy tokens and give them away um you know like buy tokens give half of them away to uh to a friend or something i the reason i have uh space tokens in my own account here is that I've bought a bunch of tokens uh, to give away to my kids, basically. As I say, my son has been learning hieroglyphics um, and my son has heard certain rumors that we're going to have beginning Japanese coming soon uh, to space. And he is all over that like nobody's business. So anyway, that is what is happening in space and it's been really really exciting so i hope you'll consider uh joining in with us in space go to signumuniversity.org space uh, uh you can scroll down to the blackberry sign in and uh, uh sign up for blackberry just create a, an account it's really simple and then you uh you're in to blackberry you can buy tokens check things out and it's pre it's pretty awesome so there we go all right um so let's um Let's, we're preparing for the road ahead. Of course, both we and Sam are preparing for the road ahead. So our actual discussion is going to be focused on the preparation for the road, of he road ahead. But um, we are also, uh, I want to look ahead at the road ahead too. So a, a bunch of people have been asking, um, uh, a, a bunch of people have been asking, hey, uh, like, you know, when are we going to get to, you know, like you're kind of thinking of your favorite scene and wondering when we're going to get to and exploring the Lord of the Rings. Evil Dr. Cannon has your answers here. Now, um, these calculations are based not only on the pace of our discussion, but also on the the average number of Tuesdays that we've been skipping per year for the last five years. So, so here we go. Okay. When will we get to the Mirror Mirror? Right? Other side of Moria. When will we arrive at the Mirror Mirror and stand next to Durin Stone? May 2024. So that's just around the corner, right? Uh, in a scant two years, we'll be on the other side of Moria. So, you know, Bridge of Khazad-dûm within the next two years. I think that's good news, right? I think that's good news. Um, when will we get to Parth Galen? What do you think? Parth Galen? Any, uh, any guesses? June 2027. There you go. June 2027. So, well, probably that means we're, we're, we're going to be finishing the Fellowship of the Ring like this decade. 
not within a decade of starting, mind. It'll be more than ten years from you know the beginning of the uh, the beginning of the uh, of the discussion. But you know, it's um, it's uh, it's it's still less than ten years from now. So that's something. Um, yeah, I know. Mike says we just met Boromir. Twenty twenty seven is too soon. I know, right? Like uh, we're we're barely gonna have known have known Boromir for like you know five years or something. Um, okay. How about Helm's Deep? When are we going to get to Helm's Deep? 2023. June of, sorry, 2033. June of 2033 uh, is the projection for Helm's Deep. Um, that, um, that'll be fine, <laughs> right? So 11 years, 11 years and a little bit more from now. Um, uh uh, is uh, when we're going to do Helm's Deep. So that's, Arkenbrand is going to beat us there, you think? Yeah. So the Bridge of Casa Doom, oh man, that's just around the corner, Fourth Dallas. I mean, that's like next year or something. You know, we're uh, we're, we're practically there. Um, practically there. Um, and Spectre, I, I, I'm, I, I expect to get to Gimli's poem probably this year um, in just a little bit. Just a little bit. I, as I say, I mean, man, we're, we're like, okay, Maybe next year, but close. We're 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 totally close. We're totally close. Okay, how about Ithilien? Um, what's um, what's the the probability uh, for when we're gonna hit, uh, when we're gonna get rabbit stew? May of twenty thirty nine. May of twenty thirty nine is the projected date for our arrival in Ithilien. Um. Shelob's Lair. Shelob's Lair. 2042. A cool 20 years from now will be... So that means that in 20 years from, like, today, we may be on the stairs of Kirith Ungol. Right? Um, that's exciting. That's exciting. Um, uh, I think that'll be... Um, uh, that'll be... That'll be fun. Battle of Pelennor Fields. Battle Battle of Pelennor Fields, April of twenty forty eight. Um, April of twenty forty eight. So twenty six years from now, we'll get to the battle. Um, see, the more you think about it, the sooner all this seems, doesn't it? Right. Um. Mount Doom, likely to get to the cracks of doom somewhere around 2052. 2052. So um, uh, 30 years from now, um, so in 20 years, right, we'll um, be, uh, where was it? Was it Shelob's Lair? We're going to get to in 20 <laughs> I'm forgetting already. Yeah, yeah. Shelob's Lair. 20 years to Shelob's Lair. Um, 30 years to the cracks of doom. Um, and uh, Grey Havens? Grey Havens. October of 2056. Now, mind, that's when we're scheduled to start <laughs> the Grey Havens. I say scheduled. That's what the current projection is uh, that will um, 
um, that will end there. Um, there we go. 2056. Um, that's our, so, which means, if you think about that, by Tolkien's birthday in January of 2057, a mere 40 years after we started, we may be pretty close to finishing. So we might actually, possibly, discuss the entire Lord of the Rings in, in 40 years or less. And I think that's quite something. I really do. I think, um, uh, I think that that's um, going to be... <laughs> gonna be fine um so um uh so yes um what about the appendices well we'll see we'll see um as, as i've said before i come from a long-lived family on my mother's side there's time yet um we'll uh we'll see um in case in case you're wondering um in case you're wondering uh in october of 2056 i'll be 82 um, so, um, I like my chances. <laughs> I like, I, I'm serious, by the way, about being from a long-lived family, uh, on, uh, uh, on my mother's side. Uh, my maternal grandparents just celebrated their 76th wedding anniversary. Um, so, like, seriously, uh, long-lived family on my mother's side. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, there we go. Um, so, yeah, I think, um... It's it's uh, likely to be. Um, I, I I think I think we'll be fine. Now, the uh, many people I know, <laughs> when we look forward to the dates like this, are thinking about how much they're likely to miss, right? <laughs> or <laughs> whether or not they're going to make it. Um, uh, just keep in mind that it, exploring the Lord of the Rings is like a uh, it's like a metaphor for life. Right. Uh, it's not about how far down the road you get. It's about it's about enjoying the journey. Right. The point is, here's here's the way to think of it. The way to think of it is not, man, we're going to take so long. I'm never going to finish before before I die. The point is, we're going to get to discuss the Lord of the Rings for the rest of our lives <laughs> together. <laughs> right. I mean, that's the way to look at this, right? That we're not going to run out of the Lord of the Rings in the, in the lifetimes of most of us here, right? So there we go. There we go. That's the, that's the way to think about it. Um, uh, so anyhow. Um, so thanks, Evil Dr. Cannon, for working that out. Um, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how we. We'll see how we do. But again, I. You know, it's been several years since I have basically. You know, come to the conclusion. You know, sort of made the decision that this is. Um, this is what I'm. <laughs> this is what I'm doing on my Tuesday evenings until the day I die, pretty much. Um, so. Um, so we'll see. Um, am I going to get to do exploring the Silmarillion afterwards? Well, you know, um, I don't know. Um, um, I don't know, but um, I. But there might be some other options there. Um, I do have uh, some other plans uh, in my back pocket, so we'll um, um, 
we'll see. We'll see what we can do. I have uh, I have a notion or two, but more on that later on. Okay, let's get back to the text at last. So, um, Sam eased the pack on his shoulders and went over anxiously in his mind all the things that he had stowed in it, wondering if he had forgotten anything, his chief treasure, his cooking gear, and the little box of salt that he always carried and refilled when he could, a good supply of pipeweed, but not near enough, I'll warrant. Flint and tinder, woolen hose, linen, various small belongings of his master's that Frodo had forgotten and Sam had stowed to bring them out in triumph when they were called for. He went through them all. Rope, he muttered. No rope. And only last night you said to yourself, Sam, what about a bit of rope? You'll want it if you haven't got it. Well, I'll want it. I can't get it now. All right. Um, yeah. JJ, I've also, have to admit, always wondered that, right? Um, why? I mean, as we've just seen, I wondered even more now than before reading through as carefully as we've been doing. Um, I mean, I know it seems to us like they've been sitting around for months ready to go, and it probably wasn't actually as long as that to them. But seriously, like, in the last scene we were just looking at, they're all just sitting there doing nothing, waiting for Gandalf to come out, right? Why, why can't, um, um, why can't, why can't Sam just be like, okay, we've been waiting around for a long time, just give me, like, two minutes, I need some rope, right? Um, I, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I really, I do. I, I think it says more about Sam. I think it says more about Sam's perspective, Sam's attitude, than it says about like Elrond's hospitality, right? Or Gandalf's impatience, or something like that. Like Sam really thinks that somebody, Gandalf, Elrond, somebody's going to say no, right? If he's like, actually. I just realized I don't have any rope. Can I have a can I have a coil rope, uh, you know, for the road? Um, exactly, Drow Snake. I think it's exactly that. I think he's too polite, and or thinks it's his sole responsibility. Yeah, yeah. He exactly too juice man. He doesn't want to cause a fuss, right? Um, he um, uh, he doesn't. You know, well, I'll want it. I can't get it now. Um, that's his assertion, right? I can't. I can't get it now. Um, I bet he could have done. But it does, I think, tell us some, um, uh, tell us some, some, some other things. Um, look at that first paragraph before we get to the rope paragraph. Um, Sam eased the pack on his shoulders and went over anxiously in his mind all the things that he had stowed in it, wondering if he had forgotten anything. Um... What's the purpose of this paragraph? Why do we get this? Like, or let me ask this question in another way. What are we getting here? Notice how, you know, sometimes like uh, when I'm talking about the Silmarillion, I'll talk in terms of like how far away from the ground we are, right? Like this story is being told from like 10,000 feet, right? We can see, you know, we're getting the whole you know, kind of historical overview, sometimes from like 30,000 feet when we're doing genealogies or something like that. Um, sometimes it swoops down pretty close, right? This, this is 
really close, right? Look how close this is to Sam's experience. We're not only getting Sam's internal thoughts, right? Uh, Sam's thinking and we're not only getting his thinking and feeling, we're getting his internal monologue, right? Like his own comments in his own words, but not near enough, I'll warrant, right? His own interior monologue in the first person is what we're getting, right? Um, and, but not only that, look at that first phrase, Sam eased the pack on his shoulders. That's a kind of thing we don't often get from Tolkien, right? Um, we don't often get this level of detail. You know, I get told, to, Tolkien's just not one of those narrators who will give us a whole lot of stage directions, right? We don't usually get things like, um, you know, Aragorn brushed his hair back, you know, from his, you know, like describing people's mannerisms, what they're doing with their hands, what they're doing with their posture, what their clothes look like at that moment. Like some narrators give us a lot of that, right? A lot of that kind of thing. We, you know, wanting to spell out the entire scene so that we can picture it exactly in our heads. That's, and that can work. That can be really effective in some ways. It also, if you're somebody like Robert Jordan, can lead you to write a 14,000-page series that you die before you finish. Um, but, um, uh, but, but I mean, it, it, can work, it can work really well. Um, but it's unusual for Tolkien. We don't normally zoom in. I mean, if, uh, you know, if like the genealogies are 30,000 feet, we're like, we're inside Sam's head. Like we're, we're less than four feet off the ground right here. Right. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, we're learning about Sam, the character here for sure. Um, it demonstrates his nerve. I see a lot of people talking about uh, anxiety and things like that. Um, check out how heavy Sam's pack is. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. We definitely see we're reminded of how Sam, we were told, remember when they set out from Bag End, Frodo makes the comment about uh, Sam taking more than his fair share uh, and that uh, Frodo was going to look into it at their next packing. Well, apparently Frodo's been insufficiently vigilant in that, right? Because Sam is apparently getting away with packing himself extra again. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I do agree. So getting his conscientiousness again, not just about taking more, right, than he should... But looking at his this kind of glimpse in his uh, in his mind, right? Um, Green Great Dragon, I like that theory. Um, I like that theory that uh, this is maybe this is Frodo's narration with Hobbitry teasing Sam for the whole rope scene later on. Um, you know, I, it's really tempting of course, to say, Sam has to have written this, right? Because, I mean, this, this, this is his whole, this is 
from his perspective. I still don't believe it. I absolutely think that it was Frodo writing this, right? Um, And for my money, this paragraph is one of the most affectionate in all of book two, right? Um, This little profile of Sam. It's easy to overlook Sam, right? Uh, Remember... um, Frodo of the Shire, alone with his servant, who goes to Mount Doom, right? Sam doesn't even get mentioned by name in the synopsis and of the Rings of Power in the Third Age. Um, and uh, yeah, it's easy to overlook Sam. Um, remember the story that uh, Yorath is telling her kinsmen. Remember, head to that, right? During uh, the coronation scene um, uh, about how Frodo went up the mountain and wrestled with a dark lord all by himself, right? That's, you know, the story in the city. Um, it's, um, it's easy. It's easy to overlook Sam, right? But the narrator is not overlooking Sam and not letting us overlook Sam, right? Um, What do we not? What are we not overlooking about Sam? What do we learn here? What do we? What are we shown here? We are shown how conscientious he is, right? Look at the things that he's thinking through, wondering if he'd forgotten anything. What is his chief treasure? His cooking gear, right? His cooking gear is his chief treasure. Why? So that he can cook food, not for himself, but for others, right? The little box of salt that he always carried and refilled when he could. Um, A good supply of pipeweed, flint and tinder, woolen hose, linen, various small belongings of his masters that Frodo had forgotten and Sam had stowed to bring them out in triumph when they were called for. Um, It's that sentence, it's the end of that sentence that most convinced me that it's Frodo writing this. Right. Um, Frodo remembering fondly the times when he did realize he forgot things and Sam pulled them out. Right. In triumph. Uh, when like Sam wouldn't have drawn attention to that. I don't think Sam would have drawn attention to that. But Frodo would. Right. Um, and so in my views. Right. This is. Yeah, exactly. JJ. I also can't imagine Sam writing about himself being triumphant in that way. Yeah, yeah, agreed. But if this is a, a, a sort of a profile of Sam written by Frodo, you can see what is he telling us about Sam? He's telling us Sam's chief treasure was his cooking gear, right? Those, th- that th- that enabled him to cook for everybody, right? To serve everybody with food. Um, Another treasure, his little box of salt that he carried and always refilled when he could. Sam's attention to details, right? Salt, really important. Most people not going to be thinking about that, right? Most people, when they're packing for a journey, not going to think to bring salt, right? But you bring a little box of salt, it, you know, it can make a really big difference when you're cooking, right? You know, in the stew that you're making and serving to everybody. Um, but, uh, uh, but Sam of course, not only thinks to bring it, but thinks to refill it whenever he gets a chance, 
right? Always on the lookout for salt, right? That he can use to, uh, to refill uh, his little box, right? Pipe weed, because Sam loves his pipe, apparently. And also, I suspect, because he's also uh, sharing that with Frodo as well, presumably, right? He laid in a good supply, probably, I'm guessing, in case Frodo needed some too. Um, uh, warm clothes, right? <laughs> Extra underwear. Um, and of course, those things which Frodo, in retrospect, remembers forgetting, but that Sam did not forget, right? And then the overall picture at beginning and end of the list went over anxiously in his mind all the things he had stowed, wondering if he had forgotten anything. He went through them all, right? At the beginning and the end of that paragraph. Um, this picture of Sam thinking not about how heavy his pack is, not uh, his only his only concern is lest his pack be insufficiently heavy, right? Did I did I leave anything out? Um, you know, he's that's how far he is from grumbling about um, about his about his pack, um, and uh, but here he is going through a full inventory of what he has in his pack. Did I remember everything? Is there anything else that I could have done? And then rope. No rope. And then we get not an internal monologue, but an external monologue. Sam talking to him, muttering to himself. Only last night you said to yourself, Sam, what about a bit of rope? You want So this is Sam talking to himself and telling himself about something that he told himself the night before, <laughs> right? So the only thing that would have been cooler is that if he'd been remembering that, if we were getting an internal monologue of Sam's monologue to himself about what he had been monologuing to himself earlier, right? It's, it's almost the trifecta there. Um, talk about indirection, right? Talk about... Um, uh, Sam's private <laughs> life being kind of displayed for us here, right? Um, uh, what Sam focused on, what he didn't do, right? And he's chiding himself because he actually remembered it. He remembered rope last night. But then he didn't apparently have a chance to get some right away. And then one thing drives out another, as you'll understand. And then now you'll want it if you hadn't got it. Well, I'll want it. I can't get it now. Um, yeah, exactly. Aaron says, because of the Lord of the Rings, rope is the first thing I think to pack when I fantasize about going on an adventure. Exactly. Sam's a warning to us all. I mean, that's, that's, that's exactly it. Um, that's exactly it. Um, thinking, uh, uh, Mad Violinist, you were referring earlier to Chekhov's rope, right? On the one hand, yes, it does set up Sam and the rope later on, right? But it isn't really necessary for that. This makes it sound, this moment, I'll want it, I can't get it now, makes it sound like and the day shall come when Sam, like bitterly shall Sam rue the day when he forgot the rope, right? That like there is coming a moment when 
rope will become like that, you know, the lack of rope is going to be a crucial plot element. Right. Um, and it's it's not actually going to happen. <laughs> Spoiler. Right. There will come a moment where Sam will think about it again and wish he had a rope. But the company doesn't um, the company doesn't suffer. Doesn't suffer for not having rope at, at any point. There's a there's a significant sense in which this line is is not going to pay off later on. It kind of will in a different way, right? Um, it will form sort of part of this. Um, the payoff for this line, really, of course, I think, is when Sam is standing at the bottom of the cliff, right, tugging on the rope. Um, helping us to understand Sam's mindset in that moment, right? What is th Sam thinking and feeling when he's standing at the bottom of the cliff, um, tugging on the rope tied to the rock at the top of the cliff? Um, that is, um, that I think is the moment where this line is going to pay off, but not in a simple way like we might have, like we might have thought. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cora, that's interesting. Um, it's a kind of interesting contrast in Sam's character. He doesn't consider himself important enough to make an issue of the rope. Like he doesn't actually say anything and say, "Hey, can I, can I, can I get the rope?" But neither does he trust any of the important people to pack it. Yeah, he. It. You're right. It doesn't occur to him like, "Ah, it's okay. I'm sure Aragorn packs some rope, right? Strider will have taken care of the rope thing. It'll be fine." No, this is his job, right? This is his job. His job is to think of things, and if something needs to happen, right? If Mr. Frodo needs to, um, um, you know, uh, if rope is needed to save Mr. Frodo, oh, wait, yeah, that will happen, won't it? But not when he doesn't have a rope, when he, when he does again. But anyway, um, it's his job to have a rope just in case, right? Um, yeah, he doesn't, I think, so I think it's not a question of like distrust. It's a lack of passing the buck, right? Um, he's not going to just assume that somebody else is going to is going to do that. Um, it, 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 this is his job. This is his job. But I okay, let's see. Um, Bjorning was drawing my attention to Lupita's comment that I've missed before. Sam read what Frodo wrote, praising his preparing, uh, and Sam added he forgot rope to show he wasn't perfectly prepared. I like that. Um, so yes. Uh, um, so your theory, Lupita, is that Frodo writes the first paragraph, right? And leaves it at that. And then Sam, later on, adds the second paragraph, right? Because he's like, oh man, like, I'm embarrassed even to read this. Not only because, like, it's a big old paragraph about me, right? But also because I totally forgot the rope, right? He's like... You know, he's not laying enough emphasis on the fact that I had actually screwed that up. Um, that's interesting. I do like that. I don't think I'm wholly convinced, mostly because it's not that I can't believe Sam did that. I think that that is a thing that Sam would do. But I don't think he would do it this way. I think that he would... Um, I think that he would simply have inserted quietly 
inserted a sentence about how, like, but he had totally forgotten the rope, right? I think that the second paragraph is probably Frodo too. And again, I think so for two reasons. One, because I think it sets us up for Sam and the rope later on, which we'll get to sometime in the, in the 40s. Um, but um, it also, I think, it's more dialogue from Sam, right? More of Sam's talk. More of Sam's talk. We'll get to that passage 20 years from now. More of Sam's talk, Frodo says, is what he would want from the story. What he is imagining, his, his Frodo's theoretical, imagined, hobbit, child, listener, audience, right, for the story. He imagines the, um, the theoretical hobbit child listening to their story, saying that he wished he could hear more of Sam's talk. Um, uh, now, JJ, that I can get behind. That's, a, that's an excellent compromise. JJ says, maybe Sam read that first paragraph and reminded Frodo that he had forgotten the rope. Like, he's not being, it's not a just treatment, right? Because uh, Sam had totally forgotten rope. Um, and so he should take that paragraph out because Sam doesn't deserve the praise, right? Um, and uh, so in response, Frodo added another paragraph about Sam, <laughs> right? Fairly putting in that he had forgotten the rope, but doing so in a way which um, gives us more of Sam's talk, right? More of Sam talking to himself, Um you know, I agree. As we were discussing before, I mean, we've been we've been with Sam, Sam and Bill, right here for uh, for several paragraphs now, which is like pretty. It's a fairly significant little chunk of text, right? As you're reading through, um, time that we're spending. And again, think about it, right? Think about this moment. Remember, we had that reference to only Elrond understood what this moment meant to Aragorn. So, take a step back from that for a second. This moment is a huge deal. The quest of the ring, which in retrospect, you know, we know is going to be, you know, the culmination of the Third Age, the heroic climax of the Third Age. It is setting out here tonight. This is it, right? Um, king Alessar, the mythic king returned from exile, returned from the, you know, mists of history, uh, you know, from out of the wilds and, and on the wings of song, is going to return to Gondor uh, triumphantly as the king to heal, to, uh, you know, lead, you know, to, to, to save them in battle. I mean, all this stuff, right? All, those th this, all this stuff begins today, right? The journey of Gandalf, uh, you know, which is going to lead to his death and his return and the White Rider and everything else, right? Um, this is um, it's, it's a lot of fanfare. Could be a lot of fanfare, right? You know, a different author might have decided that this was the moment for, um, for some purple prose, right? We might have gotten, you know... And on this day, you know, the, I, it, we, we could, I mean, it, you'd think that maybe um, if um, he had had less discretion, 
uh, less unwillingness to impose upon the text, except, you know, when it really needs it. Findigil King's writer might have done a little bit more here in this passage, right? Might have decided that, um, you know, um, a nice little, maybe even a little poem, right? How about, how about a poem, right? How about something triumphant, right? Maybe a, a, a you know, some kind of hymn of praise, uh, you know, who knows? Any number of things, right, might be sort of appropriate here. Um, and um, what happens? Instead, we spend these last minutes with Sam and the pony, right? Hearing Sam's talking mostly to himself, sometimes to the pony, uh, and, uh, and, and often to himself. We, this is the perspective from which we see this big moment, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Exactly, Lincoln. That kind of sentence. That kind of sentence. The nine walkers, emissaries of that, you know, the, uh, the, the uh, emissaries of the council, which was the legacy of the last alliance, set forth to accomplish the mission the last alliance had left only partially fulfilled. Exactly. So begins the journey of LSR to his throne. You know, so all that stuff could happen, right? Why not? Why not? Well, no. Instead, we get what is almost the conceptual opposite of that. Instead of the grand big picture, instead of the blare of trumpets and the sounding of horns, we did, of course, get that, but, um, um, but it was embarrassing when we did, or rather it was inappropriate when we did Boromir. Um, uh, instead, we get Sam. Sam as Sam is the representative, right? But in a sense, of course, this works perfectly well. Um, in a sense, this does give us a window. It, like, this is the fanfare. Um, Sam thinking over how he can most effectively serve his master is actually a pretty good um, glimpse into the quest for the ring. It's like it's like Elrond's comments about small hands, right? Um, Sam's got the smallest hands in the room, as we said before. Um, small hands do them because they must. That's This is Sam, his love, his duty, right? His sense of duty, uh, his determination to his suppression of his own desires. You know, the scene in the film when Sam not exactly asks to go home. I mean, the one in Rivendell, right? Where Sam, you know, the, like, seeing as you're on the mend, I thought we might be headed home, that, that scene with Frodo, right? Um, I didn't dislike that scene in the film. I think it's, I think it, it, it sort of effectively reminds us of Sam's character, which we get less of in the film, of course, than we get in the book. Naturally, we get less of everything in the film than in the book because it's so much shorter. Um, but, um, uh, but anyway, not only do we not get that, that is Sam agitating to go home. Sam, you know, requesting, to, you know, hoping out loud, right, that they're now going to be heading home. Um, we have Sam thinking selflessly, 
determinedly about the road ahead. Um, and to call it selfless is not even quite fair. It's not just, just that he's not thinking of himself. It's that he is thinking entirely of others. Especially, of course, Frodo. Um, he is preparing for things that he might want and need. I assume he is going to smoke some of that pipe weed. Um, it's probably, he does probably have some of his own woolen hose and linens uh, in, uh, in the pack as well. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, he is, he is, he is not thinking of himself. He is thinking of, um, of other, the only sense in which he's thinking of himself is he's thinking about his own, how well he is performing his job, right? Performing his, um, uh, performing his duty. Um, and, uh, that's, that's Sam, but again, that's not just Sam. That's the quest for the ring, the quest of the ring, right? That's that's. This is what winning looks like. This is why Frodo was chosen. This is why Glorfindel's not setting off with the ring, right? Or Gandalf, or somebody like that, right? It's this kind of attitude. This, of course, is also why Sam is the perfect auxiliary ring bearer, right? Um, but. If you if you set out on the quest, not being reminded about what a historically significant moment this is, what remarkable accomplishments are about to be accomplished by these people, you know, setting out from this time here, um, it does JJ really highlight the humility. I think um, uh, I think that's a really important thing about Sam. It isn't just that Sam is awesome; he is, but it's the, partic the particular ways in which Sam is awesome are the very ways that are most important to the fulfillment of this quest, to the resisting of the lure of the ring. And Sam, not Frodo, is the perfect illustration of that. Now, again, I think there's a bias here um, in a sense, right? We don't see it from, um, we don't see it from Frodo himself, right? Um, and that itself is a really interesting narrative choice that Tolkien is making, isn't it? What I mean is, Frodo's his main character. And in one sense, the narrative is going to stay closest to Frodo much of the time, right? And yet, we get, we don't get as much. We get some, but not all that much of Frodo's internal thoughts, right? At times, we certainly did back in, like, chapter two, right? We were hearing about Frodo. Um, we were pretty squarely from Frodo's perspective and hearing about what he was thinking and feeling during the trip across the Shire uh, and that kind of thing, and in the Barrows. I mean, a lot of book one is from Frodo's perspective. But we're getting more of Sam now. Think about the difference between this scene, what we're seeing and hearing from Sam, and what we heard and saw from Sam back in book one. Um, think about how we don't, we're told by Sam that he had a conversation with the elves, right? Back in chapter three and four, right? At the beginning of chapter four, we hear about it. Um, but we don't actually get that scene narrated to us. From this perspective, it seems almost strange that we didn't, right? But the narrative is here in book two, shifting more towards Frodo, 
or towards Sam, sorry, and away from Frodo than it was in in book one, right? Um, now that Frodo has become the ring bearer, the attention shifts not to Frodo, but to Sam. And that, I, I, I think that that's, um, it's a fascinating choice, but it also, as I say, I think sets the scene in a really important way. Um, think about, like, what are our options here for what we could be hearing about in this moment of waiting before they depart? We could be getting a narrator's, you know, like, big overview, right, like we were talking about, some big fancy speeches about this is a solemn moment, right, as Thorin might have said. Um, but we don't get that. We could get um, what's internal to Frodo in this moment, right? But we don't get that either. What's Frodo thinking about? Um, I think uh, Frodo is likely terrified at this moment, right? Really nervous, really uneasy. And the the text, you know, the, the, the narrative doesn't focus on Frodo's worries, Frodo's fears. Remember, we get, we've gotten glimpses of it. We've gotten glimpses of it in his speech. We've gotten, remember that one little glimpse of him looking out at that red star in the southern sky, right? Which is a, a significant moment. Um, moments like that, are kind of showing us some of Sam, or sorry, some of Frodo's uncertainty or fears. Um, but that's not what the narrative is going to be dwelling on, right? Instead, our, like the uh, poster child of the Company of the Ring, as they're setting out, is Sam. Sam thinking about all the extra stuff he's crammed into his pack so that he could carry more and other people could carry less and that he could uh, and but and he and making sure that he remembered to bring all the things that will help him serve other people better right that's that's the perspective from which we begin the journey um yeah and Jackie I agree I mean uh Frodo's not going to want to go there but I think it would be I mean imagine how hard to read the Lord of the Rings would be if we spent the whole time in touch with Frodo's feelings, right? There are plenty of authors who make this mistake, and I think it's a mistake, right? Um, if your protagonist is in the grip of continual dread or anxiety, right, um, and you as an author are trying to make the reader share in, like, this continual ongoing dread and anxiety that the protagonist is feeling um, that often doesn't work and when it does work it's kind of horrible right it's it really is kind of horrible Almarea says aka so many young adult novels uh, yes exactly uh, exactly um, that stuff he wants to see from the outside not because he's trying to hide it right we're gonna see it we're going to see it and we're going to be made to feel it. Um, but um, uh, but we're not invited into that. We're 
spared that in some sense, right? But I think it's not just that it would make it into a horribly painful narrative to read, um, but also because it, it isn't the point, right? There is something in the end, I think, triumphant about Sam's perspective. The triumph of love and humility, right? This is the triumph of love and humility um, as they're setting out. And that is what the Company of the Ring, that's what the Quest of the Ring is all about. Um, yeah, very cool. Dan, I agree. Dan says the description of the gloomy weather and the atmosphere of this scene from a few paragraphs back shows us what Frodo is feeling here without it becoming repetitive. Yes, we often can get that sense of sort of emotional oppression, right? Um, without having to be dragged in it quite as forcibly or as uh, repetitively as that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, um, yeah, Bjorning, I'm using the word triumph not just loosely, um, almost ironically, right? Um, again, saying, uh, in, in contrast to the whole, um, you know, we don't get, what, what we don't get is a parallel to the beginning of Theoden's ride out of Dunharrow, right? Let's quote you know, some epic poetry about this moment because this moment is going to be so important in the future history of this kingdom that I'm going to let you in on the fact that someday bards are going to write stories about this moment um, and look back on this moment as this huge turning point, right? I mean, we get that when Theoden sets out from Dunharrow. Um, we could get a similar thing, right? I mean the greatest come from behind triumph, you know, of the third age is about to happen, right? Um, some of the greatest, most amazing, remarkable events in millennia are starting this evening here on this gray, gloomy Christmas evening in Rivendell. Um, but meanwhile, we're spending that momentous evening um, thinking about you know, Sam's extra underwear and uh, uh, the fact that he forgot to pack any rope. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and that just, it seems to me not only appropriate, not only appropriate, um, but important um, that we are being persistently kept in this frame, right? Um, in Sam's frame. And and also, don't forget, it's important for us to get to know Sam, right? Um, it's easy to overlook, but um, I'm, I'm reminded of Frodo's line. This is reminding backwards instead of forwards. I'm reminded of um, uh, of Sam's, of Frodo's line. I'm learning a lot about Sam Gamgee on this trip, right? Even Frodo didn't really know Sam all that well, in a sense, right? Or rather, he's learning new things about him on the trip, right? Um, 
first he was a conspirator, then he was now he's a jester, right? This is after Sam sings the troll song, right? Um, we have seen Sam uh, in various ways. He is already, there have been moments when he has already, Sam has already provided us, the readers, with some important cues, um, such as the scene when he's looking back from uh, the Buckleberry Ferry, right, at the Shire disappearing behind him, you know, moments like that where we're getting some things from Sam's perspective. Um, Sam's disapproval of Farmer Maggot, right, him uh, being not quick to forgive anybody who had beaten his master however long ago, right? There have been moments like that where we've gotten to see some of Sam's personality. Um, you know, Tom Bombadil, he's a caution and no mistake. Um, but there's still a lot more that we need to learn about him. Um, and because of how important Sam is going to be, right? Um, Sam is going to become the hero of the story, right? And there is no way that any of us could possibly suspect that. We don't know Sam nearly enough yet, right, to um, be in a position to anticipate or understand that. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. So I think it's really interesting and really important um, that we're kind of this close to Sam here. Um, all right. I'm going to resist the temptation to start the next slide because the next paragraph is a fat paragraph. Um, and it's Elrond's last words. And some of the last words Elrond is ever going to say. Um, he gets a few speeches after this, but not very many. Um, uh, in the whole rest of the Lord of the Rings, I mean. So we're going to get Elrond's last words pretty soon. Um, so I think um, they are at least his last words in this decade. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a good 25 years before we hear from Elrond again. Drow snake, so we better savor the next. So let's not rush through the next slide, right? That wouldn't be right. Um, uh, <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, he is going to get quoted, Jackie. It's true. Um, we'll get even a message from him, right? But not, um, uh, not, uh, not dialogue from him until near the very end. Um, okay. All right. Um, Very good. Let's uh, let's stop there. We'll go to field trip time. Thanks for those of you uh, who are just able to join us for our book discussion tonight. And uh, we will. I'll try to get my uh, display to redraw itself appropriately. Okay, there we go. Excellent. So in our field trip this evening. We are going to head to. Um, we're going to head to back to the angle, right? Yep, that's right. Okay, I think yeah, uh, Guyrond is. Oh, that's right. Tonight is our quest for the next milestone, right? I think that's yep. what we're going to do. All right. Mm -hmm.
I love how I appear right next to my name twin here when I uh, show up <laughs> here. Um, okay. So from here, we're going to head south. We did head south last time, and we got as far as... Oh, yes, the uh, what we were convinced was an abandoned temple, right? Oh, uh, yes, that's right. The Rudaran, what we suspect to be a Rudaran temple. Yes. I guess it's a bit of a comfort to know what I'm going to be doing on the Tuesday nights for the next 40 years. Isn't it, though? I mean... Yes, but at the same time, I'm coming to the grips with the reality of my own mortality, which is not as much fun, but... Well, you know, it's fine. See what I say? It's fine. You know, like it's, um, uh, it just, it just means that, uh, we're never gonna run out of things to discuss for as long as we live. Who could ask for more? Yeah. Honestly, we're going to talk about talk until the day we die anyway. Exactly. That's just it. That's just it. Um, uh, Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Josh Nick is saying that. Yeah, right, exactly. I saw a couple people asking about this before. Uh, how long will Lotro be around for? Uh, hopefully just as long. Hopefully yeah. just as long, but we'll see. I mean, of yes, course, so. Lotro has already had VR this. analog still then. Right. Lotro has had this amazing run, right, uh, you know, beyond the expectation of most games. But... Um, but yeah, I'm certainly hoping uh, to uh, celebrate our 40th anniversary class as we're discussing the Grey Havens uh, in uh, you know in our lower hall virtual there. Virtual reality chat. Right. Exactly. Hopefully, not one that requires physical participation, because you know I don't know how spry I'm going to be at that age. Fun fact: Lojo celebrates its 15th anniversary next week. I still can't believe that. I'm like that's blowing my mind a bit. Yeah, yeah, it is amazing. Time to get some badgers. Yeah, fifteen years. Maybe the Grey Havens will be in the game by then, Katriana. Who knows? But we're getting more Shire next week. That's true. That's true. Okay. All right. These are the. We're gonna see the bads part of the the neighborhood. It'll be great. That'll be fun. We can go there after we finish the angle here. Continue. Okay, so we're now setting off. So we're passing on the right. Ooh, hang on. We got a fork here. This is the. Oh, no, this is not the major fork in the road. No, this is a different fork. Okay. Um, let's see where it goes. Yeah, okay. Why the heck? Why should we leave it? talking about how, like, how Frodo, we're not seeing inside Frodo's head, and it's like we didn't see inside Frodo's head. He talked about the weather. This is how British people talk about their feelings. So <laughs> right. It, it's raining outside. Right. Which is code for I am in the depths of despair at this moment. <laughs> this is a nice little waterfall and pool. How yeah. Lovely. How lovely. The path goes up to the top of the waterfall. This was a paved road once upon a time. And it's not even on the map. Yes, it is. Oh, I see. We were just I was we we're just in the wrong place. Okay, so this is oh. headed to the other place there. Okay, okay, well hang on. All right, so so we will come back this way then. All right. I thought this was a side path that wasn't on the map, but it's not. This yeah, is the this yeah. is the road on the map. Okay, fine. Okay, fine. Calculated. Yeah. All right, so okay, and we're passing we've got some more dead folks wandering around there. We got some more oath breakers. Um yep, yep. 
who... Can't throw a stone but hit an oathbreaker out here. I mean, you would think that word would get around, right? People I mean, like, sooner, left and right. sooner or later, somebody would be like, you know what? I think maybe, maybe breaking that oath about- probably not a good idea, right? Yeah, but then, you know, you think of all the common sense things people know about today that they still do because they don't feel like it, you know? That's true. That's true. Okay, so we still got, all right, we've got the topmost towers of the temple back there. Just kind of looking around here. I can't see anything now. Okay, oh, there's our waterfalls, a set of waterfalls here. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, sorry. Just uh, not wanting to miss the scenery. And, um, yeah, Gildalaman, it's interesting, right? Because on the one hand, all the Oathbreakers around shows you that it's a really big deal not to keep your word. Right. Um, And exactly how like culturally deviant it is, uh, metaphysically deviant, right, to break your word. And yet, yeah, people are just doing it all over the place, apparently. Yeah, but there's always there's always the paradox of piety, the idea of, well, these people did it because they were bad people. But I'm a good person. Therefore, if I do it, it won't be bad. (laughs) I'd say right. Right. No, that's a that's very much a real blindside just philosophically and theologically. Right. Hang on. The minute you divide people into them and us, suddenly everything they do is bad, but we do it, it's good. So it won't happen to us. Right. That's how you get that. That's how you get Oathbreakers all over the place. There you go. Okay, so we have some more ruins. We've got some columns. Who was here? These look, this looks... Relic hunters, a.k.a. poachers. Right. Okay. So we got some Arnorian. relic snatchers. Yeah. This this does look like look Anorian. I think some kind of Rudauran place. Yep. Great detail on the moss. Yeah, I'm looking at the boulders here. The like the lichen on these boulders is kind of throwing me off because I keep thinking they're like. Um, you know, worked. Or something. <laughs> well, I, I, no, I think that they're, uh, I think that they're ruins, and I'm like, I, no, no, just a boulder, just a boulder, in fact. Um, Are you liking okay. the lichen? Like, so where, where are we? We're just south of that um, temple thing, and for all we can see, we see wall. nothing but pillars. Yeah. Fallen over. I don't see any walls. Um, so we're definitely after something here. I wish I knew what we were, what they were hunting. It'd give us a clue as to what this was. Well, this guy's tapping very carefully with his very large hammer, working this He's pile of dirt very cautiously. Bulldozer to find that china cup. Yeah. Um. Oh, right, no, that's a platinum deposit, so. Um, hmm. If it's Rudaran, I'm not sure. Um, I feel like the fog isn't helping us get our bearings here. Yeah, we're still, we're s- I mean, we're a fair bit south. 
uh, from the temple place. Yeah. I mean, if if these were if these were elvish ruins, I'd say it was a party spot. Um, Yeah. I guess we have seen some like little gazebos and things. Um, mm-hmm. Rudauran gazebos and such. Yeah, these columns are too big for that, though. But it does look yeah. like whatever was here is, is buried in some sort of landslide. Like, this is not just normal fallover, right. you know, the swamp burning burning down stuff. This is, this is like rocks fall, everyone dies. Right, possibly so. Possibly so. This is the big river, right? So, okay. Yep. Yeah. We're... Okay. Misty, so this is morning. the... This is the Mathayathel over here, right? I think so, yes. Because then that's the Bruinen coming down over there, mm-hmm. so. Um, okay, okay. Um, they do look really weathered, Kitrana, the pillars, I mean. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, oh, oh, that's a wolf, okay. Um, yeah. I have. They're, they're less weathered than the boulders, though. Yeah, that's true. But the boulders might have just come from uphill. It's the color and shape of the stones more than anything else. Really, that's the only thing. I don't see any other um, obvious indicators that says these are Rudauran pillars. But they probably were. Yeah. Anyway. Is that a... Mm, no. Is that a carving on the side of it? Let's see. Right there? Mm-hmm. It's the usual one we see, yeah. Kind of looks like a face, but I think maybe I'm just it's par- seeing yeah, faces it's one of those, in the clouds. Yeah, it's one of those little pareidolia dealies. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Some kind of outdoor gathering space, worship spot. There um, might be some clues if we go up the road. Yeah, let's let's see what we have. Just because uh, there's we're, something up there that fell down. Right. It's just kind of in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Well, maybe it was up on top of that rock, and the the, the temple itself fell over and up fell there. down the hill. Oh, whoa! Look, some of them are still standing, though. That would seem unlikely if. Uh, it had fallen all the way down. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Right, see now, this is clearly the same kind of stone. Right, with the explicitly Rudauran markings. Yep, 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 yep. Uh huh. This was a defensive structure, so this seems to have Absolutely. been. Oh, yeah, we've got a whole curtain wall over here. Yeah, this is meant to withstand some pretty heavy-duty fire here. Yeah, yeah, relatively thick wall. Possibly block off that water. Yeah, yeah, it might have had a a sort of a you know a sluice gate across there. Mm -hmm. Oh wow, look at this place. Okay, this is cute. What do we have here? Little human fisher village. Yeah. Possibly of the type that Gollum raided. Huh. Thatched roofs. Stones uh-huh. probably stolen from Arnorian ruins nearby. Okay. Exactly. Waste not, want not. Yeah. Hard to blame them. Nope. I always 
I always, I, you know, I have a hard time not thinking that when, because there's sometimes when you're doing, like when you're looking at, um, uh, you know, art, art history stuff and things like, you know, you're seeing a ruin and being like, unfortunately, like we can only guess that the splendor of what it must have looked like because, you know, like, the heads are cut off and used as cannonballs. <laughs> well, yeah. or, no, well, I mean, okay, that's that's bad enough. But like, no, it's like, you know, oh, this old castle ruin. But uh, unfortunately, all the locals dragged away the stones, you know, uh, so, you know, we'll never know what it really looked like. And it's like kind of hard to blame the locals. One has to. Yeah. Uh, also, to chances are it was a box like most things. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we've got, all right, this one has a shingle roof. All of them have the stone foundations. Definitely and... enough pine around here to get some good shingles and some tar. Yeah. And yes, let me, I, I will try to remember to both say hi to the stable master. Oh yeah, we got to get the milestone. And remember to get the milestone, which was the goal. There we go. Okay. And... It's not. So I'm trying to place where we've seen this before. What does this, architecturally speaking, if them look like the, like some some of the some of the cottages in Coom look a bit like this. That's true. It doesn't look like Bree, not like downtown Bree in any case. Yeah. Looks more like Archit and Coom to me. How about the Wildwood? Wildwood? Oh, I've, I've, I've only seen some of the Wildwood, but yes, you're right. Where? Wildwood. It's the new area that um, connects to in Evenden. Oh, well, I haven't seen it. How am I supposed to know? I want You've to been there. Like... No, I haven't. I mean, before, but not, not, not if it's a new area. I haven't. Um, uh, but um, anyway, it's a no, ways no. past Oak Garden. Yeah. Um, past the river. But yeah, it's it's connected to all these human fishermen and stuff like that. So. Yeah, anyway, it's basically no, the the places where we've looked at, the places where we've been. Like, uh, yeah. it's not like. It's not like the places on the other side of the mountains, right? It's not like the Anduin Vale yeah. places. Um, they use lust thatch over there. Yeah. It's a little bit like some of the Bjorning towns. Um, mm -hmm. Like, uh, like uh, what's it called? Um, um, where, where was it? Um... Yeah, Limlock is what I'm thinking of. Um, reminds me a little bit of that. What I'm trying to do is guess from the architecture, culturally speaking, where do these people come from? Like, what's the influence here? Because this is surprising to me because it's the only, isn't it? The only town we've seen. There Are there other towns in the Trollshaws? I mean, there's Rivendell, but I mean, like apart from Rivendell, I don't think so. The lone, we are near to the Lone Lands. Yeah, we get Oscar so, Ruth, you know, folks yeah, squatting in the vine. ruins over there. But yeah. I don't think in the troll shots we don't. We get a couple camps, you know, rangers sitting at camps. Um, 
but I don't think we've really gotten villages. There we've got you know, a bunch of elves camped out at, um, you know, what's it called? Um, uh, that other that elf place over here by Talbrook. Nantornath or something? Yeah, no, no. I'm thinking of the one down uh, Kandal. Uh, uh, that's it. Echad Kandalat. That's the one I'm thinking of, Katriana. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yep. Yeah, so um, I don't think we did have any other human villages in the Trollshaws at all, which means that this place is. Again, there's Oscaruth across the river, so it's not that far away across the river and down the down the way. Um, is it Lonelandy? You know, it kind of a little bit reminds me of the Forsaken Inn. And Oscaruth, mostly in the people's dress. Yeah. Yeah, we've got. Um, okay, so like this guy looks like a ranger. Yeah, I. I, I got some dudes i mean i do think these guys seem to be mostly human yeah looking at their clothing they look a lot like the egwene yeah oh who's this little guy oh two little guys yeah, I was standing on one, which was not very friendly um, of me, I mean. Um, but you were good with it. <laughs> I know, right? Here I am standing, stepping on the children. That's just not good. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the styles of... Ooh, hey, look at this. She's got a... Look at the little, uh, you know, dog tag hanging from her belt. It's, of course, not the same as the one that we were seeing over in... Um, Gladden Fields, where is it? Mm -hmm. um, you know, Vales Vanduin, right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Hold this uh, over there, that whole, uh, you know, Woods Edge. Um, remember how they all had that, uh, you know, wooden or leather thing dangling down from their belts? Yeah, it looks this a bit is, like a Shadowland. Yeah, this is different, um, but reminds me of it. Mm -hmm. You know, whereas. The other woman's belt is just a bit of string tied around her waist there. There's not the long braids, though. We, we don't see those in some of the Forsaken Inns and another, another group. Yeah. All oh, right. Draw yeah, a snake. I, I, different appearances. Yeah, I see. I see you're, we're getting the uh, some NPC variations uh, here for people. So that's uh, that happens. Um, yeah. Rivereth here definitely looks like she's from Ostgoroth. Yeah. Yeah, I think that does seem to be where they're mostly... Yeah, and we don't get to see much architecture out there because that's just a room that refugees are encamped in. Right. Right. Yes. Martin Luther hammering on the door here. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I wonder how many feces Nailing that guy has. Feces individually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nailing the feces individually to the door. Yes. Okay. And there's a. Yeah. Here's the ranger. There's a ranger, right, with a some quest or other. 
wouldn't be a this settlement if a... there weren't rangers telling me to do their job. <laughs> this is this is quite a quite an expansive village. You know, this whole little yeah. extra leg down here with. Um, it's obviously been around a long time. Look at the age of this uh, stone wall fence, mm -hmm. right? So this. I wonder is... if some of the human refugees we've seen coming were coming from up here. Yeah. Or, um, or if this place is relatively undisturbed oasis in the tumult. Right. Yeah. Um, Maybe that's why the elves and the rangers are here. So I was just looking to try to answer the question of what the what 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 is the level of this area? And yeah, forty-five looks like 45. looks like the answer. Um, but you're right; I hadn't thought about that. But we never did actually see any of the native architecture, essentially, of the Egline, right? Of the folks of the of the Lonelands, because we canonically only no one lives there. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Because theoretically, no one lives there. They live across the river over here. Yeah, these squat, functional, sturdy stone houses, mostly thatched, sometimes um, shingled. Very easy to burn Spread in. out, not, you know, this is not a defensive, this is not a village that's, you know, huddled in a circle with a palisade around it. Um, no, no. I thought not... it was at first because we saw the big, thick walls, but then we come out here and everything's so sprawled out. Right, suburban, yeah, that's... Suburban style. Right, that's historical, right? I mean, clearly. I mean, it used to be mm -hmm. a strong place. I'm going to guess because yeah. down here... Oh, yeah, here we go. Here's the rest of the Bailey. Right. Down here, this would have been... Uh-huh, I'm betting you this is a... Yeah, yeah, there's a Rudarn mark there. And yep. notice these pillars are the same as those other ones. So yep. that does prove that 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 was definitely, uh, you know, Rudarin. But this was clearly a landing stage, right? Oh, yeah. So we're taking shipping down, which, of course, you'd expect. I mean, you look at, um, you know, where we are down here, which is not exactly where we are on the map, I think. Ooh, it's a lily pad. My green dots are not in quite the right place on the, on the when I go out to the big map. But anyway. Um, yep. So we're in here, but again, you think of where Rudauer was, right? Rudauer stretched all the way through the northern Trollshaws and up to the uh, to the yeah. eastern part of the North Downs and stuff. So the River Mithaethel would have been uh, yeah. you, you'd have gotten a lot of traffic downstream. Absolutely, from... it does explain all the Rudauer presence along this coastline. It sure does, it sure does, and it would explain why the defenses leading to down here, right? So that they can defend mm -hmm. their little depot down here um there's some spirit activity around here we got a lot of lily 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 pads and willows over here lily pads and willows uh-huh look, look look down the tree there's all those uh there's all those weeping all those willow trees oh look downstream down the river. look north yeah oh look north yeah oh right yeah 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 right lots of willows little... i agree Beautiful pops of color out here. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and you're right, Amethorn, that the village is well positioned. Um, I mean, you can see how obviously the river, the access to the river down here 
would be very useful to them too, even though the Rudaurn trade, you know, has long since stopped. Um, but it's still a really strategic place for their village. They can probably still use the river to, if they need to get up to Oscar Ruth or something like that. Um, the integration of the rangers here is interesting too. Um, but hardly surprising, as again, this is clearly the most significant human settlement in this entire yeah. region. I wanted to head up Absolutely. to the uh, ruins Lots on the of hill children. I can't think of any village where I saw a lot of children running around. Yeah, it's, uh, yes, lots itself. of children. I wonder if this okay. is the place they were evacuated to. Well, again, this just seems like, I think it's just a curtain wall again. So this is the other side of that. Yeah. So here we're on the... We're on the, the southern side of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were looking at. So, um, yeah, I was wanting to see if there was anything built up on the hill because I was looking for the same thing for something like. Uh, uh, so I just was looking up at the skyline up there and it's a boulder. I thought it might be a fortress on the hill. But no, we see where the curtain wall went to and then that's pretty much it. There's still no clue what that one those what that one section of columns was. Probably just like a way station or watch station for the river to see what it Maybe. was coming down here. Maybe. This place is so big, it must have been some sort of outpost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't think that this village is set in the Fourth Age, Nancy. I think that this is... I, I, I don't have any reason to think that this isn't... wasn't a peaceful little area, right? I mean... Uh, if you think about it, the angle here is really pretty sheltered. Um, yeah. If we look at the big map, you, trouble can come up from the south on the on the greenway, right? Um, but even if anybody comes up through the Enidwyth and crosses over the Glanduin, you know, and heads up into the Trollshaws, this place down here in the angle of the two rivers is going to be one of the last places they're going to get to. Right, because um, okay. they're going to go. They're going to going to go around the rivers on either side. Um, you know, up to Bree. You know, in the Bree to Weathertop area on the one side of the Mathaethel, or you know, to this wide area. You know, the Eregion area south of Rivendell. Um, but um, but yeah, it's the the area between the two rivers is going to be is going to be nice and sheltered. So why wouldn't they be at peace? I mean, you could say, okay, well, um, they um, they have some local dangers, potentially, but the only local dangers are on the high moor, like Giant Valley and stuff up on the high moor. Um, we were seeing, apart from the ghosts, which are awkward, one has to admit, um, nothing other than regular predators, right? Even within um, Even within the game context we're not seeing like a you know camp of half orcs or something like that um yeah it's the odd uh, treasure hunter trying to get in the way and possibly right people up right exactly exactly and as long as they're sticking together here in their village and there's plenty of them here 
right? They should be fine. And you got, you know, rangers looking out for them. They're probably not thinking about it that way. That is, the people aren't prob- probably mm-hmm. aren't thinking that the rangers are looking out for them. But, um, but they are. We could be confident that they are. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. This is... Uh, here in the in the in the shelter of the angle down here, we have this like peaceful life happening. Um, that's um, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, I should we should I should let folks go. Um, it's getting late. Um, I was not expecting when I saw this on the map. You know, just the the uh, you know the end of the road and the, the you know horse, stable master yeah. and stuff. I. Um, was not expecting a whole village like this. Yeah. This is this, this is, is pretty cool. Definitely not a one horse town. No, multiple horses uh, in this town. Um, so cool. All right. Well, we'll start here next time when we uh, caught the milestone here. So we'll start from here, um, explore a little bit. Since we're so far south, we might as well continue. Ooh, looks like we've got a bigger ruin if we keep going down the road. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's see if we can what we can find down there. Um, yes. And uh, and then work our way down towards the very southern tip of the angle. See if we can get a shot of uh, you know a sight of of uh, Gwingris from the other side, and uh, then we'll head back up the uh, the the western bank over there. So, all right, that's where we'll head next time. Thanks everybody for joining us, uh, and uh, we will see everybody next week. Bye now. Bye.